You already know what time it is. Welcome back into the NFL with AJL, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 14 is alive and well. We are live on a Tuesday evening, a little bit past seven, but you know what time we get the show started. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, wherever you are. Please like the stream, subscribe on YouTube, as I always say, so you never miss a post. And also be sure to hit the bell on YouTube as well. Um, of course, so you get notified about those posts as well. We do have a guest tonight. I'm trying to make sure he is going to be in the studio. Seems like he just popped out a little bit. Uh, let me make sure he's good to go. I don't know if he realized he popped out of there. But yes, we got a loaded show tonight. He is back in, but we'll bring him in in just a second. Lamar Jackson has officially requested a trade. We've got NFL Draft Talk. Bobby Wagner is back with the Seahawks. Pack show as always. Please, again, like the stream. Subscribe on YouTube. Hit the bell to never piss, uh, excuse me, never miss a post. Let me watch my mouth. We're a little family friendly here, right? Mistake, didn't mean to. Check the QR code in the top corner of the screen. Scan that if you can for every bit of content. If you can't, at the NFL with AJL on all social platforms. Please leave us a review also on podcast platforms. A special guest tonight, a gentleman that is also very largely involved in my comeback of the podcasting game. Been on his show multiple times, the This Just In Sports Show. But we're not talking about Max Kellerwin. We're talking about my boy, Justin <laughs> Marville, out there. How are you doing, man? Welcome to episode 14. Great to have you. It took too long to be here late episode 14. It should be here, but it's starting <laughs> So that's on me, but it's always great to be here. Always, always great. And I'm glad that you came back because the game was missing you so much. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for the uh, for the humble welcome. Back into my own show, right? I'm supposed to be welcoming you. But, hey, that that's on me, too, for not having you. And, guys, y'all have seen me all over Justin's show before, uh, you know, in the middle of the what-off season, the petty sports days, before I restarted this show back. Check the ticker down below. That's all of his social media content at this just, I think, one and then an N or Mm -hmm. at this Justin sports show. Uh, but nonetheless, make sure to check his stuff out, hit him up on social media, review that podcast as well. We got a loaded show tonight, Justin, and we're going to take it right off the top with the hottest news in the NFL this week. Y'all get in the chat. As it says there, it's free. We don't charge you to make comments on the show. And of course we'll engage with you as well. Lamar Jackson officially requested a trade. And we're talking about the Ravens MVP quarterback once again, Requested a trade March 2nd, and we heard nothing about this. I think this is a direct correlation back to a big-time player not having an agent at all, let alone even having a big-time agent. And um, now a lot of questions are circling the league around trade packages. It's not really surprising, I feel like, that Lamar requested a trade because this just basically says, hey, um, they're not seeing my value, value, which exactly is exactly what he said in the tweet. I'm pissed about it, and I got to do what's right for me. So we we kind of all knew this. Lamar just confirmed it for us. But would you say now, Justin, that the Ravens are mishandling Lamar with this news never getting out and really no kind of traction behind Lamar's request almost a month ago? It's weird. It depends on how you see mishandling because it's clear I don't think the Ravens want to trade him per se. They just don't want to give him what he thinks his value is. So right. for the trade not getting out, it suits their purposes because they're basically saying, well, yeah, we kind of franchise tag you with the non-exclusive, basically yeah. saying we're going to let somebody else do our work for us in terms of the contract. So yeah. if somebody forces our hand, fine. But otherwise, is this contract, it's either that you pay, you play, sorry, on, you know, the tags, um conditions, or that's just it, but we are not yeah. really looking to trade you. So I don't think it's a situation where Baltimore mishandled not getting his trade situation out there because when you heard John Harbaugh speak yesterday, it was 
it's clear in his mind, and I don't know how management sees it, that right. John Harbaugh wants Lamar Jackson to be his quarterback. They oh, brought yeah. in an offensive coordinator to right. suit Lamar Jackson's style of play. They're making moves with the intent that Lamar Jackson is going to play. So right. I think it's more of a situation where Lamar is concerned that the contract details and what they're offering does not suit what he wanted. He thought it's disrespectful. And that goes to your right. point of not, not having an agent. Because when you hear people talk, Major. they always say have an agent because the things that you're going to hear in these discussions are going to yep. come across personal and they really yep. aren't. It's just business. Yep. But before I let you hop back in here, sorry, um, Adam. The no, whole thing, hey, it's it's a podcast, bro. That's what we do. We talk. <laughs> the whole thing like, for me, right? I will say, if this was Ozzie Newsom, right? The guy uh -huh. who would have drafted Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson was drafted in Ozzie Newsom's last year as general manager of the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. If Pretty this was, pick. yep. If this was Ozzie Newsom, right? This deal would have been done. Simply because as a general manager, you kind of feel a personal connection to the people that you draft. Yeah. So the Baltimore general manager right now did not draft Lamar Jackson. So he doesn't feel that personal connection to yeah. get this done. If Ozzie Newsom were here, we'd not be talking this at all. Yeah, and, and, and I like how you allude to the GM as well because, you know, Eric DeCostas, I think right when um, they placed the franchise tag on him, you know, the non-exclusive – people fix that could come in dollars a year DaCosta was was saying what he was supposed to say and I you know it said it in the past he believes that they're you know they they have good faith that negotiations are going to get done they're going to be able to come to a deal for him um you know they've had players in the past get tagged before they want to see Lamar Jackson they want to build around him and they want him to be the guy to take them to the Super Bowl clearly the goal of of any NFL team and for anyone that wants a little context on what Lamar actually was saying on Twitter this morning um as or I think it was yesterday excuse me as the news broke a letter to my fans I want to first thank you all for all of the love and support you consistently show towards me all of you are amazing and i appreciate y'all so much i want you all to know not to believe everything that you read about me let me personally answer your questions in regards to my future plans as of march 2nd he requested a trade and the ravens um for which the ravens have not been interested in meeting my value clearly we know that i just want to put the context out there for everyone that wants to know how lamar is actually reacting to all this and ironically he drops these tweets as john harbaugh is having i think the conversation that you were mentioning there justin so it's it's definitely some emotion again it's it's kind of like with aaron Rodgers. there's a lot of emotion there's a lot of hometown things tied up in this you know he's already drafted late in the draft he was kind of doubted in college now he doesn't want to get paid so it's, it's kind of all coming to the surface now for lamar again we knew that but things are just finally, you know, rearing their ugly head, I guess, if you could call it. So he says the Ravens didn't want to meet his value, and any and everyone around me knows that I love football, and his dream is to help a team win the Super Bowl. You all are great, but I had to make a business decision that was best for my family and I. No matter how far I go or where my career takes me, I'll continue to close to be close to my fans of Baltimore Flock Nation and the entire state of Maryland. You'll see me again. The last part is kind of what doesn't sit right with me because – if you have to, well, well he, he backed it up. I guess it's just, the, the way I think about it is NFL players, like, they make so much money, right? And I get it. It was like when Zeke held out. It's like when these certain players hold out. You're not going to get that big of a payday again. So Lamar is making a family decision. But then for you to circle right back around and say, hey, you know, this isn't the last that you guys will see of me, of course, because he might come back there and play as an opponent. But you you can tell, again, it's emotional. He wants to be with the home roots and I wish they could both work it out. I think the league is better with Lamar Jackson as a Raven. I don't know what team could even make a move for him, and we're going get to get into that in a second. But 
it's it's tough to say, like you said, because what is actually mishandling and to me, Miss Lamar mishandled himself and the situation by not hiring an agent. Again, I said it. When a big-time player hires a big-time agent, you get big-time money. And Lamar Jackson would probably have a top three to five contract in the league right now and be one of the highest-paid players ever because of what he's done on the field, right? But to also know, and again, this does go back to the agent, but for there to me, for there to be absolutely no news out about how Lamar wants a trade, like none. We didn't even hear a peep. This is the first we're hearing of this. That is, I'm... I don't know if it's necessarily a rubbing the wrong way thing, but the NFL and sports in general, right? News gets out when you need it to. News gets out, you know, gets out when you want it to. Clearly, what we're doing on the show is because of the news that breaks. For not a snippet of this to get out, it's just it's it's very 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 odd because if a very polarizing figure like Aaron Rodgers in the middle of his career can basically go on a live show and say what's going on between him and the Packers and the Jets, why can we not get just a small nugget of information? And that's where, in a way, it kind of feels like a disservice to Lamar because he could have been already inked with another team. We're talking, it is now March 28th, about 7.15 on the East Coast. Lamar, excuse me, Lamar requested this trade three and a half weeks ago. You know, we're coming up on a month. I feel like a lot really could have happened. I mean, think of the things that have happened in the last three and a half weeks. The number one pick was traded. The combine happened. Anthony Richardson's got crazy hype. Some people are out on Will Levis. Like, so much has happened in this last three and a half weeks. And now we're just not figuring out. Now, again, as much as I'm sitting up here saying this, that, and a third, it could have been placed that way, right? It's meant to happen just a month before the draft. We're going to have some draft predictions coming up on the show, but... Having said all that, it does feel like a mishandle for Lamar Jackson because a lot, you know, a lot could have shaked up. A lot could have happened for him, maybe in a good way. He could have already been inked to something. So it is again, uh, some. So that go ahead. That goes back to your point, Adam. Again, about the aging. So what a lot of people don't realize, right? Whether you like him or not, Adam Schefter basically gets a lot of his news via agents. Oh yeah. And athletes don't have time to talk the way that Shefty reports. (laughs) And all you have to realize is where his information comes is to look at the angle in which he takes certain reports. And then you can tell always that this comes from player agents. Right. Um, For whatever reasons, whether you want to shape a player in a particular way or you want to put pressure on an organization. And had Lamar had an agent, I am sure that that agent would have leaked something to Adam Shefter by now, Mike Florio, somebody you know, Ian, Ian Rappaport, and it would have put pressure on either the Baltimore Ravens or let uh organization like Indianapolis Colts, yeah. I'm tipping my hand already, know about his availability. So yeah. I don't want to put this on Lamar Jackson because I still do believe that Baltimore is making a huge mistake that's yeah. not opening the back of a big truck for yeah. him. But I think, like you said, not having an agent, it's because in those him. meetings, it is killing him because in those meetings, right, things are going to be said, right, that players are not involved in. And when you hear it firsthand as a player, Mm -hmm. it is going to come across as personal. Mm -hmm. As you said, Lamar is taking this very personally. Yep. Yep. hundred percent agree. And, and, you know, before we move off this and talk about potential teams and, you know, we've kind of talked about it before, but a trade, a trade shakes up everything, right? Well, really just a couple more things. So to also know that the collusion, you know, was an actual topic within these last three and a half weeks, Um, and then also knowing that piggybacking off the agent, Lamar is now using, I think what they said is like a non-licensed agent to basically reach out to the NFL teams and see if they have an interest in Lamar. And it's just, 
the more this goes along, the more Lamar is just not handling this very well from a PR standpoint. And then he even says, oh, yeah, by the way, check me out on my fan page website. You're an NFL player, dude. You're not a motivational speaker with a fan page website. Like you're a unanimous MVP, you know, so it's just it's not a very sexy play. Let's keep in mind he's about to turn 26. I think he already is 26 years old, but, you know, he's a younger player, so he's still got a lot to learn. This is going to be a part of Lamar's career, no question about it. Um, but it's just it's very odd for sure. I, I've enjoyed this NFL offseason. Though. We've had a lot of quarterback drama. We've had a lot of mix ups. You know, we've had a lot of trades. And, and this is just another thing that's going to add to it. So with Lamar now saying I want out of Baltimore. Um, it, it seems like the Baltimore days are over, right? And just the more this goes on and on, I said it last week, I don't think Lamar is going to be a Raven by the time this year starts. So what teams, if any, should pursue Lamar Jackson now that this situation is the way it is? Because let's remember, Justin, whatever team is going to pay for him, the Ravens automatically get two first. And that's because of that non-exclusive tag that they placed on him to take Lamar from that 45 a year to a little over 30. Do you have any teams that should take a chance on Lamar now in this situation? Any team not named the Kansas City Chiefs or the Los Angeles Chargers or the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> like everything. Like what is the soft market for Lamar Jackson is the most puzzling thing I have ever seen in the entire NFL. And this just shows me what I've known all along. Yeah, NFL front offices are incompetent, Adam. They like absolutely incompetent. You have an in his prime, as you mentioned, um, MVP. Basically saying, I no longer want to play for Baltimore. I can understand before the trade request was known that you're figuring, all right, I'm going to stay away from this because basically I'm just doing Baltimore's work for them. Yep. Whatever contract I do, like Baltimore is just going to match. So I can understand prior to that. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Like but that. in a situation where when you're telling yourself, I can go in the draft for an unproven quarterback like Bryce Young or CJ Strode or Will Levis, or I am going to let's look at New York for sorry, I'm going on a tangent, right? Adam, let's look at New York. New York is going after, and I'm glad I'm here to talk about this. New York is going after a 39-year-old quarterback uh -huh. who has Billy Dalley. He's due to make $60 million this year. $60 million guaranteed. <laughs> like, no yeah. matter what happens, he's getting $60 million guaranteed. He yep. has flirted with, with retirement for the last two years. And yep. you are willing to give up draft capital. You are willing to hire <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett. You are willing to sign Alan Lazard yeah. to bring this man who is likely going to be a one-year, two-year rental yeah. instead of going after Lamar Jackson. Like This yep. is absolutely insane, Adam. This is the height of incompetence. I do not understand every team that does not have Patrick Mahomes that does yeah. not have Joe Burrow, that does not have um, what Josh, Allen, Justin Josh Allen or Justin Herbert, I am right. picking up the phone and I'm calling. Two first-round picks could mean absolutely nothing for me, Adam. If I am going right. to get an in-his-prime MVP quarterback, yep. are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you mean about the soft market for Lamar. And, huh. So... Uh, oh, before you continue, one more no, thing. You're good. I have to talk Washington too. Washington uh, has not been above 500 in any of the three years that Ron Rivera has been there. Right. Since 2018, I have to look here, right? Since 2018, 
Washington has used 12 different starting quarterbacks. <laughs> and they have come out on record as saying they're going to roll the dice with Sam Howell. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? I think Washington's going to be a very sneaky draft move, bro. I think Washington's going to potentially turn some heads on draft night. I don't know what they're going to do. But like you said, they can't believe that they're rolling with Sam Howell. Here's my thing about with you talking about the Jets. If the Jets, because like, so with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, it's the trade compensation. Then they have to ask a guy who was 90% retired going into the darkness if he's <laughs> willing to take a $60 million pay cut. So that's going to be a whole nother thing within itself. And my thing is, if you're willing to go through that much trouble for a guy that's 13, 14 years past the age of Lamar Jackson, Pay Lamar that money and let Aaron walk. I'm one of the few people that says the Jets should run from Aaron Rodgers. The writing is on the wall for me. Um, I, I, I've said it as many different ways I can say it. The Jets should not go for him. Um, so I'm so, so I'm right there with you. A couple teams that I could see. So one, I did say the Jets. Two, the one I'd really love to see is Miami, man. I hate that they just lost Mike Gesicki, but Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, uh, Mike McDaniel clearly was doing things with Tua, and to know that Tua was on pace for a very good season before the injury happened and before the the concussions really had him caught up. I mean, I feel like Miami instantly becomes the most favorite, like the most exciting team in the league to watch. You have three of probably the fastest players in the NFL all on the same side of the ball. I know I'm kind of you know getting caught up in what it really could be, but we know if they were doing what they did last year with Tua and they were fighting in the playoffs with Skylar Walker or Skylar Thompson, whoever it was, I know for a fact that Lamar Jackson could could really make them a thing. I'm not going to bite on the Falcons. People say the Colts, but, I mean, what what what's in Indianapolis, really? You know, like the Colts are – they're going to pick a quarterback. You know, people are saying they're, they're locked on C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Um, I hope to God they don't take a chance on Will Levis because that is Frank Reich's type of, you know, guy for the build and the way he plays and everything. Um, so if I had to say it again, it would be New York. It would be Miami. Um, I would say San Fran. I think that'd be really nice, but I mean, what, what, you know, just about what any, excuse me, just about any quarterback I feel like would look good with San Francisco. But uh, yeah, this Lamar Jackson, go ahead. You're good. Could you imagine Lamar Jackson in Detroit? I didn't think about it Mm. until Bart Scott mentioned it today, right? Could you imagine him behind arguably one of the top three offensive lanes that the Detroit Lions currently have? Yeah. With a skill position group that has, DeAndre Swift, and then on the outside, you're looking at Amon Ross and Brown and Jamison Williams. With Lamar Jackson. Jamison Williams hasn't even arrived yet either. With Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. Mm -hmm. So now you're worried about the run threat with him and DeAndre Swift. And then behind that, oh my gosh, like you have Amon Ross and Brown and Jamison Williams, two two wide receivers who do so much after the catch. Like, oh my gosh. And that was a team that finished with an above 500 record with, um, oh my God, why are news killing me right now? Like, ja- with Jared <laughs> Goff. Because we talk about so damn many. <laughs> with Jared Goff as quarterback. So yeah. then replace Jared Goff, put in Lamar Jackson in an NFC North that will no longer have Aaron Rodgers. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, that would be, that would be wild. I, I didn't even really imagine Lamar being in Detroit, but I mean, talk about a big media city that would embrace him. Amon Ra's a guy that continues to get praise. Imagine if they still had Jamal Williams. Hey, I'm happy my Saints have him. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but imagine a Jamal Williams and a DeAndre Swift with a Lamar Jackson. Of course, it's a lot of imagining. What if they still had TJ Hawkinson? You know, like that. Yes. That would be a very, very attractive arrival for sure. <clears throat> 
but y'all get in the chat. Let us know. I actually don't have any ch- uh, comments for the show yet, but it's all good. We got quite a few viewers, so no worries. But let us know what y'all think about the Lamar Jackson trade request. Kind of saw it coming. He's just confirming everything we've been speculating on the show and, and on multiple talk shows in the world. But now we're going to get into the top three tight ends in the 2023 NFL draft. Justin, if you want, hit your list. One, two, three, three, two, one, however you want to do it. I'll go with mine. We'll kind of obviously go back and forth and then then get out of here. But I want to make sure we can both get our lists across. So give me your top three tight ends in the NFL draft that we have in like four weeks. Crazy. Oh, for sure. So I'll give special mention and just name them. Um, your school, Georgia, Kid Darnell Washington. Crazy. Iowa, you can't ever pass it, but Iowa tight end. It looked through, like Iowa just produces tight end. So this guy, Sam Laporta, I think that's how he, mentioned, uh, he pronounced his name. Like any tight end coming out of Iowa. So those are my two honorable mentions, right? But coming from three to two to one. Oh, Justin just dropped out. Let me get him back in here. Oh, there he goes. For some reason, I can't see y'all's comments either. What's up, yeah. Justin? Go so ahead. sorry, don't know what I have. So it's like, as, as no, I was saying, great. right? Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, Michael Meyer from Notre Dame, and I guess everyone's undoubtable number one, Dalton Kincaid from Utah. Like, I have some question marks, but I'll let you shoot your three, and then we can go back and forth. But yeah, those three. Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting some comments on Facebook that I'm not seeing, so I'm going to pop over and look. Aiden O'Connell asks, is Lamar really as valuable as he thinks, given the risk involved with his gameplay? We'll get you in a minute, Aiden. I just want to make sure I'm not missing anyone's comments here. Give me just one second, Justin. I don't know why they're not pulling up. People were saying they didn't get the notification either. Um, That's weird. What's it I got- called? I got a notification. Yeah, I just want to check real quick because obviously the chat is is a really important part. I mean, no, I'm really right there with you. I'll I'll give a little bit of explanation on mine as well. The one thing that's really going to change for me, let me make sure I get this muted so I'm not pulling a rookie move. The one thing that's really going to change for me um, is instead of uh, the Iowa tight end that you have. So I've got Michael Mayer, I've got Dalton Kincaid from Utah, and then I've got Darnell Washington as well. Um, Taylor, as always, babe, thanks for hopping in. She said, good to see you guys. Good to see you, Justin. If Lamar goes to the Falcons, I'm going to ball up in a corner and cry. <laughs> All right, I can see you guys' comments now. I just might have to moderate them a little bit, but bear with me. I don't know why it's it's not coming through. Um, I've always seen the chat, but I guess, you know, technology is technology. Okay, so the top three tight ends in the draft. Number three for me is going to be Michael Mayer. He's a really solid guy, and a lot of people have him at their number one junior out of Notre Dame, 6'4", 265. PFF actually had him at a 92.5 grade um, for the year and actually number one on their list as well. They think he's a first-round pick, and I can agree as well. Some are saying we could have three, maybe four tight ends go in the first round, which I think would be crazy. I think we can see two for sure. But again, 6'4", 265 uh, type of frame for Mayer. He's not going to be, you know, your big Kyle Pitts or your George Kittle, you know, type of proto um, prototype or even a Travis Kelsey or a Darren Waller, you know, like a lot of people want to see in the league. When you look at his play, it's kind of similar to Jason Witten in a way. Mayer's not going to have that speed that burns you down the field. He is running about a 4'7", a 4'7", I believe, in the 40. Um, but great size. The guy's clearly an athlete. And you look at that. He had over 800 yards in each of the last two seasons at Notre Dame, 138 catches and 16 touchdowns over that span. And even without him being a burner as a tight end, 20 receptions on targets, 10 plus yards down the field, which led the draft class. 
Number two, so Michael Mayer was number three. Number two for me is going to be Dalton Kincaid. And when you look at this guy's tape, it's really like a wide receiver in a tight end's body. He lines up in the slot a lot. I think 55% of the time, actually, he lines up in the slot. He led the entire FBS, 70 catches, 890 yards during the regular season, uh, 89.9 grade from PFF as well. So they see the athleticism. They see the speed. He's going to be kind of the same speed as um, Michael Mayer, but the fact that he is at 6'4", 240, kind of that slimmer build and just the way he plays, it's it's really going to be advantageous for him. He's got good hands. Again, coming out of the slot, you can have him on the line. He isn't going to be touted for his run blocking ability, kind of like Michael Mayer. Um, but when you look at, you know, Darren Waller, George Kittle, who is one of the few that can block, but if you're looking at a, you know, Travis Kelsey, a Kyle Pitts, guys aren't really touted in the NFL for blocking because it's a pass happy league. And that's, you know, of course, what you want to see. So Dalton Kincaid would be excellent in that facet. Just wanted to make sure I thought I heard you fall out, Justin, but you're still there. And the number one is going to be Darnell Washington out of Georgia, an absolute monster with the frame and size junior six foot seven, 269 pounds. And he actually ran a faster 40 than Michael Mayer and Don Kincaid ran a four, six, four at six foot, excuse me, six, seven, 269 pounds. And this is a guy that can block, but he's also got ball skills as well. Again, when you look at a guy with this type of height, with this type of hands, he's not going to burn you, but he does have good speed for a tight end. He's not going to absolutely break you on routes, but he will go up in high point of football. He will put his body on the line and just playing in the SEC against those defenses with the schedule that Georgia's been up against. You can't knock what he's done. A massive, massive catch radius and an 81.4 run blocking grade, uh, which was fifth among FBN tight ends, excuse me, FBS tight ends. This year, again, 6'7", 270 pounds. Feels kind of almost impossible to block in a way, but nonetheless, Darnell Washington, number one, Dalton Kincaid, number two, Michael Mayer, number three. And who are your three again, Justin? Just want to make sure. Um, Hold on. Let me go back and make sure. Yeah, I didn't have Darnell Washington in my three. I had Luke Musgrave from Oregon State mm-hmm. in as number three. Um, So, like, there, everyone, like any other player, Michael right. Mayer might... I have some question marks. Like, he may be the most complete tight end of the lot, simply because you know me, Adam. I'm an old-school football guy, yeah. and he's a guy that can get his hands in the ground and run block. So that means that he's going to be on the field all three, four um, three, four downs. And if you can run block as a tight end, then you obviously know that you can't exactly – you're not going to be able to predict just by formation. I say that to say, like, you can tell when Kansas City is going to run the football because oftentimes you're going to take out, um, you're going to take out the tight end. Here, you can sit down and say, all right, what are they going to do just by formation alone? You can leave any tight end. So I like him in that regard. But the problem with Mayor, I think, is is that when you look through, like, the measurables, he has, like, shorter arms. He's not explosive off the lane. You know, he doesn't really high point in football. And like you said, in today's past happy league, that's what you want. So that's why you have Kincaid above all of them. Like he's a former basketball player, I think. So like right. he has a height, he has a size. The arms true are athlete. ridiculous. Yep, true athlete, very very smooth route runner in and out his routes, explosive off the lane, and high points footballs. That's telling you everything you want with a tight end. I have no problem with you putting him at two, simply because though there seem to be concerns. He has a small crack in his back, and mm. I don't like injured players. Like injured players, yeah. typically get injured. 
And he has that crack in his back. And I don't think he's played more than 15 games at the college level. And he mm-hmm. only played one season of football at the high school level. So there's those question marks. But in terms of his upside, I like Kincaid over everyone else. Yeah, Kincaid, I mean, he's not exactly Kyle Pitts in a tight end. I don't know if we'll ever see that again, but he does have kind of some similarities being in the slot, having the slim build, but still being big enough to have some speed and also have a big catch radius. I mean, that's what tight ends have to be now. You know, you used to have guys that were like, okay, uh, I mean, you know, when Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates and Jimmy Graham were out there catching, you know, you know, for yards or just even 800 or 900, that was massive. And then you had those guys jumping to 12, 13, 1400 yard seasons. And now you see tight ends in today's league. And when you start to look into the draft class, you are seeing a lot of tight ends that can play in today's NFL. They are just going to need to be refined because, of course, we know there's no such thing as a perfect prospect, whether you're looking at Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, no matter the player, they're going to have flaws. Um, so, yeah, guys, that is the top three tight ends for almost a top 10 way too many to go there the top three tight ends here for us in the 2023 nfl draft i don't know why i can't see your guys's comments inside the actual streaming platform they usually come up that's why i can put them on the screen but i am filtering on youtube so before we hit the break just want to make sure i can get those comments and here's a good one michael darby asks if michael mayer goes to the saints does he become i'm assuming you meant can't guard mike but i feel like you're actually asking would he be a good spot for the Saints to land, I would say, yeah. I mean, every quarterback is better with a tight end. I would have loved to get Darren Waller. Um, I didn't even think of that at first with Darren Waller because I didn't think he was going to get traded, but he did. I would have liked him to come to the Saints, but if Derek Carr can have a young tight end out of college that's willing to get some reps and, and catch some passes, then I think Mayer would be solid. What say you, Justin? I The only concern I have in that depends on the offense you're running late. Yeah. I like Mayer as a run-blocking tight end. I absolutely like my concerns with him is his inability to separate. Like, he looked good in college, but then when you look at that frame, you look at the lack of explosiveness, his, I don't think he's going to be able to separate, especially in his rookie season, and that may be a problem. Like, if you're looking at him in terms of establishing an Alvin. Okay, so apparently whenever I bring the chat overlay up, it pops him out. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually the one popping you out by accident, man. It's oh, really? up the chat overlay. Yeah, I don't know why it pops you out, but hey, we're learning new stuff. You're good, though. Go ahead. Like, yeah, if you're looking to establish your run, like Alvin Kamara, et cetera, et cetera, then yeah, Michael Myers, you're a guy. But if you're talking about, you know, like improving or adding to your run game or, sorry, the past game and helping out Derek Carr in short yardage situations, like, I... I am not sold on his ability to separate at this level. Yeah, yeah, and that has been some of um, – I saw some of that too in, in his notables about the you know, the scouting report and everything that they would like him to get some more separation so he can be more on that level. But nonetheless, I do think all three of these guys are going to have a solid career, and of course it always depends on where they land with the coaching and, and how they're able to be molded and everything. But let's go ahead and hit the first break of the show, then we'll swing right back in. As always, ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into the NFL with AJL episode 14. Sorry I can't see you guys' chat on the streaming end as well. Got to stay tuned in on some other um, windows to check your chat out. But if I don't see it, no worries. Uh, hopefully I get to you. If not, then it will be fixed on the next show. Please make sure to like the stream, subscribe on YouTube, hit the bell so you never miss a post. You see the QR code on Justin's side of the screen. If you can scan that, awesome. It's every bit of our content. Make sure to follow 
engage with us on social media. Please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts as well. You can find Justin at this Justin on um, social media. It's actually rolling across the bottom of the screen right now. That's a one instead of an I. And also at this Justin Sports Show on YouTube as well. And we are always sponsored by Buy and Sell with AJL, ladies and gentlemen, for all your worldwide professional real estate needs. Whether you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, or invest in real estate to add to your retirement plan, make sure to hit them up on social media. They got an awesome newsletter. They just put some AI into the business as well that can get you a property value, the competition that you could be looking at if for some reason you wanted to make a move on that or sell it. But nothing further other than get at buy and sell with AJL. I don't want to spoil all the uh, goodies and surprises that they have over there for you. We we love our sponsors greatly and we appreciate them being on the show. Now we got to talk about a gentleman that made a return home. Oh, there he is. He's back in. Hey, man, we're going to keep rolling with you. It's all good. I don't know what's going on, but you came right back in. So it's all good. Bobby Wagner has returned home to the Seattle Seahawks, I believe, on a one-year, $7 million deal. And I don't believe Bobby Wagner is too far north of 30 years old, although it feels like he's been in the league forever. He's one of the best we've seen. Might still be the best linebacker in the NFL. He's now going to be with Devin Bush, Julian Love, and Draymond Jones, who also came over in free agency for the Seahawks. Do you like to see B-Wags back home in Seattle, Justin? Yeah, because, as you all know, the relationship ended on bad terms initially and i was shocked to see him go back so i'm glad i'm always glad to see when franchise legends fix these things and come back home but the reason beyond sentiment that i really like him going back to seattle is because seattle had a real problem on defense and that was stopping the run so when you add a legendary inside linebacker like bobby wagner and then you pick up another one in devin bush like you are clearly addressing the needs that you have on defense in terms of stopping and run to make your run obviously at a Super Bowl in the NFC because as you know the NFC is not as loaded as they were in past like my Packers are struggling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> there's no Tom there's no Tom Brady anymore and no like you know like you see the decline the Rams are no longer the Rams so crazy like, reality is like you have what, a couple teams the Philadelphia Eagles um San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys to contend with and that you have a wide open conference and especially getting those two players along with other players that they got in free agency you have to deal with san francisco twice a year and if there's one thing that san francisco is coming to do as we all know they're coming to run the ball and you're oh, yeah. not going to beat san francisco if you don't have the ability you know to plug those holes with two inside linebackers and i think they couldn't have done any better by right. picking up devin bush and bobby right. Right. Absolutely. I'm really, really here for the Devin Bush pickup as well. I remember a couple seasons ago, um, I want to say when the Steelers actually drafted Devin Bush and I remember he went down with an injury and that was major, really, really major for them at that point because he was playing a major role. I think that was the Steelers team that had went 11 and 0, if I'm not mistaken, and then had to play like three games in five days or nine days or something like that. That was during the whole COVID season. But I remember Devin Bush definitely, definitely had some impact. And and just the moves that Seattle's making as well, you know, knowing that they were 25th in points, 26th in yards, um, and they were the third worst rushing defense as well in the NFL. So clearly Bobby Wagner, we know he's one of the best run stoppers. He's also known for his good coverage ability as well. Putting Bobby Wagner in between the tackles on that front seven for Seattle, being back home underneath Pete Carroll as well. He's still got Jamal Adams behind him. Um, that's definitely going to improve. <clears throat> 
excuse me, that third overall, uh, excuse me, third worst rushing defense that was uh, the Seattle Seahawks last year. Again, they bring over Draymond Jones, Julian Love. It was a very solid pickup. And to know that Seattle at one point was a team that, oh, it was a Legion of Boom. It was one of the best defenses in the NFL. And then it feels like it had fallen off. But wait a minute, Pete Carroll was a defensive guy, right? And then they're going to let Russ cook, and now anyone can throw the ball all over the yard on them. And it's very weird, but bringing back home a captain in Bobby Wagner, um, again, being under Pete Carroll, it's going to be great. The fans are going to love it. It's probably going to sell more tickets. And at the end of the day, the Seattle Seahawks will more than likely be better with Bobby Wagner back on the roster. And look how Seattle played last year. I mean, everybody thought that they weren't going to be a great team. Geno Smith comes out, wins comeback player of the year. Pete Carroll does his thing. And, and for a team to have a lot of pressure on them, an ugly breakup with Bobby Wagner, I actually said it. I remember saying it last year on the same day they had traded Russell Wilson and they had cut or either released Bob, I think it's the same thing. They had released Bobby Wagner and it was like, wow, this really feels like a, a true rebuild. This feels like a blow up because you just let go of your best offensive and defensive player in the same day. So I know it feels good for for the um, for the Seahawks to bring him back over. And I actually saw a tweet from Cooper Cup. Someone had resurfaced it last year. Cooper Cup was like, thank God I don't have to play B-Wags in the division anymore. Now he's back home. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see Bobby Wagner back here. But it feels like he never left. You know, I mean, you look at him being back in the uniform. I remember when the news broke, I was like, oh, damn, I guess Seattle did bring him back home. Right. It wasn't a surprise, though. You know, there was the rumors out there. And I know when he had went to the Rams. um, well, wait a second, actually. So Von Miller went from the Rams to the Bills. Okay, gotcha. I was thinking of all these linebackers that bounced around because Von Miller went from the Rams to the Bills, and then Bobby Wagner came over from the Seahawks to the Rams. Um, so it was it was interesting to know that with Bobby Wagner being on a Super Bowl hangover team that they weren't weren't very good at all. So I'm sure he feels good to to be able to go back home as well. But now let's get into some NFL draft speculation. I would say y'all get in the chat, still get in the chat. Y'all talk with each other. I'm going to try to see the comments on my end, I don't want y'all to not be able to engage on the show. So let's discuss some NFL draft predictions, kind of like a take on a mock draft, maybe trades, maybe hot takes for the draft that you've got coming up. But nonetheless, the draft is literally, I want to say, four weeks away from this Friday. One, two, three, excuse me, from this Thursday. Yep, about four weeks away. We will have a live draft show. I'll probably see if you want to jump in on that, Justin. But oh, give sure. me, we'll just kind of go back and forth here because I really don't know if there's any way we could have the same predictions. But if we do, great. So give me your first NFL draft prediction for this year. Oh, I will see... Four to five quarterbacks will be taken in the first round. Mm. And again, only one of them will be good. Mm. Which one do you think will be the one that ends up being good? Um, I'm going to say Bryce Young. I can't believe I'm going to say that an Alabama quarterback will be good, <laughs> but he will be the one to finally break the trend. Like The issues, like every single issue that you're talking about Bryce Young, there's only one, and that's his size. Yeah, he does like, everything you know, else great. Everything else great. So, like, Let's get down to it. When we talk about quarterbacks, what do you want? The intangibles of the leadership that you can't teach. Bryce Young has that. Yep. Accuracy, the ability to make and extend plays outside the pocket. Bryce Young has that. Yep. The, your issue is his size, and I'm not here trying to downplay that because that is a major issue, and I'm going to get and under, um, explain it Wait, Let's look at it in terms of Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a perfect example. Yep. The reason that Kyler Murray does not work in a structured offense is because he can't see over the top of the tackles or the guards. Yep. Yep. So he has to get on the outside. 
And then when he gets on the outside, obviously it's all helter skelter. What helps with Kyler Murray is that he has that elite athleticism, right? So he can break down and get what he wants. Obviously, Bryce Young does not have that. So you're going to have concerns. Do you want Bryce Young rolling out considering he's not the fastest? And then on top of that, he's slightly built. So like he's not going to be able to take the punishment outside the pocket. Yeah. Whoever drafts Bryce Young will be smart. I would hope smart enough to know he has problems seeing over Lehman, or at least he will at the next level. Yep. But you can shift Lehman with him. So they can Definitely. roll him out the pocket and shift the center of, 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 of you know the pocket for him. Yep. And make things easier for him. But I think the intangibles, when you talk about it, he doesn't have the size, he doesn't have the strength. But everything else, he gets the ball, don't feel great. He has great accuracy. He is a leader. Bryce Young will be the four or five of them will be drafted in the first round, and Bryce will be the only good one. Mm. Mm. Yeah, this this quarterback, <clears throat> this quarterback draft or quarterback class rather is is very interesting for sure. Um, again, you said it, Bryce Young, one of the best quarterbacks in the draft, definitely up there in my rankings. Um, the only concern about him is the size and the height, of course. And his footwork does get a little sloppy at times. But to know that he can really be a sniper without having his feet set or going through his progressions, well, at least with his drop back, his eyes are great. His reads are great. The accuracy is great. But if he could clean up his footwork even more, I think he'd be absolutely lethal. And that's crazy to say because knowing how much he's already able to do and really how he was able to will that Alabama team last year when they didn't have your average, you know, Amari Cooper or Henry Ruggs or Devontae Smith out there like they've had at the riches for so many years at the wide receiver position. So you do have to give Bryce Young a lot of credit for that and look at the schedule that he played inside the SEC as well. I'm going to have a similar take here for Bryce Young, but I'm going to say because I feel it coming, man, and I think the NFL has to learn with this draft class, especially looking at how Kyler is a little smaller, you know, looking at how Lamar, of course, he's a little bigger than Kyler, but he's still on the smaller side. He does move well, of course. Um, Bryce Young is on the smaller side as well. Now, Russell Wilson, kind of similar to that size, hasn't been hurt. And Russell Wilson is an anomaly. You know, Drew Brees that was out there was an anomaly. You give those guys credit for making the way for Kyler Murray for Bryce Young. I'm going to say Bryce Young's going to be the third quarterback off the board in this draft. I think C.J. Stroud is going to go number one overall to the Panthers. C.J. Stroud is my quarterback one for this year. He, he's an absolute monster. He is really everything that Bryce Young is, um, but he's bigger. He's elite with the accuracy. He knows how it goes through his reads. I wouldn't say he's better than that at Bryce. I do give Bryce that edge, not a major edge, but I do give Bryce that edge because we've seen it with his Ohio State quarterbacks kind of locking in on one target. That's what everyone was going, you know, back crazy about with, with Justin Fields is, oh, he's just staring down one target at Ohio State. And you also look at C.J. Stroud. Some people are going to want to pull back Ohio State quarterback. Let's not forget he threw to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, <laughs> who were first-round picks last year in the draft. He's also throwing to JSN, who is the best receiver in the draft, and Marvin Harrison Jr., who, Jr., who you can argue is better than any of the three I just named. And Marvin Harrison's going to come out of the draft next year with whatever Ohio State quarterback is throwing to him. But I say all that to say C.J. Stroud will be the first quarterback off the board. I'm not a fan of this, but I I see it happening, Justin. We see quarterbacks. Someone's going to make a haul. Someone's going to trade up. Or whatever the case is, I believe Anthony Richardson is going to be the second quarterback off the board because of how overhyped he is due to his size. And I'm not, I'm not a fan of AR going that high. 
I just see it happening. AR was the dead last in the FBS for accuracy as a quarterback. He literally ranked 45th out of 45 FBS quarterbacks for accuracy in college football. But hey, we love the size. Or excuse me, they love the size. They love the speed. They love the upside. People are saying, oh, one play, he looks like he's great and elite. And the next play, you're wondering, why is he even throwing the football as a quarterback? And for me, that's not enough to warrant him as the second quarterback off the board. But again, I said it, the Raiders might be that team. Who knows if the Seahawks might be that team? Who knows if the commanders want to come up and be that team? Someone's going to take a stab at Anthony Richardson, second quarterback off the board, and then Bryce Young will fall to whatever team with the third quarterback off the board because of the size, because of the height. And I just think that the NFL is going to learn in that facet. Second NFL draft prediction for me, Justin. Go ahead. Before you continue, right? This, yeah, and, go I, ahead. and I believe you, right? This just shows you the incompetence of NFL general managers. Like, yep. Everything is telling you this guy is a project at the very best. And they're oh, yeah. going to fall in love with his size, his big arm, the mobility, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, when will you learn this is not what makes a great quarterback? Right. Not at and, this point. I mean, the accuracy is bad. It's so bad. When I figured out he was dead last in FBS, I was like, that's that's an eyesore. That's and then an you're eyesore. talking about this is a first-round draft pick. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then year in, year out, NFL teams will say, oh, woe is me. Like, why are you saying woe is me when you make these bad decisions? Like, Anthony Richardson, for me, is no higher than a late second-round pick. At the yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I would say he's a day-two pick, late second round. And, and look, if he was refined – Probably a, 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 you know, not even a first overall pick, but a day one pick, you know, round one pick. I want to say, if I think correctly, Anthony Richardson only played one year of college football as a starting quarterback. And this that's is why guy, he looks the way he does. And then this is a guy that you're going to make. <laughs> so you're just you're giggling about what I'm nervous about. And that's why I made the prediction. I'm telling you, man, it's either. I'm going to go on record right now because I kind of had this take. It was kind of a candid take. That's People are loving it when I said possibly Anthony Richardson to the Raiders. It's either going to be the Raiders, the Seahawks, or the Commanders that take a shot on Anthony Richardson. It will be one of those three teams that he lands in. Might not be first round. I think he's going to get picked first round because of the hype. You know, we've seen it with all the players that go through the combine. The combine really set it off for him, right? And it's crazy because even Florida fans were kind of shocked because they know what Anthony Richardson is, that he's getting this much media attention. So I think it'll either be Raiders, Seahawks, or the Commanders that maybe take a chance on Anthony Richardson. Um, did you say I, your second prediction? I don't think you did. Not yet. So before I get there, I want people to remember, remember the kid that is currently in New York who wowed everybody at his combine. And no, look, the New York Jets are going after Aaron Rodgers. But let's get to that second um, draft prediction. Jalen Carter is going to fall, obviously, because we know the situation with his off-field, um, whatever you want to call it. He is the best player in his draft. Without, like, I'm, Who's that? Jalen Carter. Is that the kid from Georgia, right, that has mm-hmm. the issues? Yep, yep, yep. He is going to fall out of the top three, top four picks. It is going to be a mistake because, like I said this, and I wish that you were on my show when I did say this, Remember, I remember telling Neil, that Micah Parsons is going to be the best player in his draft. And while so said, so done, this kid is going to be the best player in this draft. And mm, I have a sneaky best feeling player in the draft. He is going to be the best player in this draft by a mile. And I have a sneaky feeling that Seattle, who are so accustomed to dealing with these kind of 
personality question marks are going to mm. be the ones to benefit and get him at number five. Yeah. They will get the best player in the draft when they draft him. Mm. Damn, that would be crazy. Jalen Carter to Seattle, knowing that they just picked up Bobby Wagner and all those other guys. Julian Love is a steal, too. I see a lot of praise and a lot of respect out there for Julian Love going over to um, to Seattle. God, that would – them taking just, Jalen Carter at five. Wow. Just remember, right, that Pete Carroll is known to deal with what other people call headaches. Yep. People that he's a big player's coach. He's a player's coach, a guy who is not afraid to deal with what we would call personality issues. Right. Not afraid to roll up the sleeves and get out there. And I I have a sneaky feeling that Seattle's going to look past all of his off-field issues and pick this dude, and he will be the best player in this draft. Yeah, I... Jalen Carter's talented, no question about it. But the way things played out between the combine and the arrest, and I think now he was just placed on probation, and then the, the pro day was a major, major red flag. He showed up and I get it, only nine pounds. But when you play at that heavy of a stature and you're on the defensive line, your weight and you like every part of you as an athlete is valuable. But especially when you're a defensive lineman going after a quarterback, you got to be athletic, you know, get around those guys, use your weight to your advantage. Um, him not even being able to finish drills <laughs> at a pro day. And I never, I, <laughs> I hate to sound negative. I won't sit up here and necessarily give someone their flowers because of a pro day, because you're throwing it usually to receivers that you know, um, and you're in shorts, and it's against air. But when you <laughs> fumble, when you fumble the bag at a pro day, that's kind of embarrassing. You know, and I get it. He's going through a lot of stuff. We were all devastated when we heard about, you know, heard about the Georgia players, like shortly after the year starts, you know, Georgia gets the big win as the clock strikes noon, or excuse me, uh, midnight on, you know, the first of the year. And then we hear about, you know, the tragic accident, knowing that he's involved in that, knowing that he's, you know, in your opinion, the best player in the draft. He has a lot of that hype from a lot of people around there. Um, definitely a top prospect. I don't like him better than Will Anderson. That's just me. Uh, but either way, I mean, either way you go with those guys, it's it's going to be very good for sure. My second, and this one's crazy. <laughs> I really, I wanted to get creative with this one. My second NFL draft prediction is now with Lamar Jackson requesting the trade. I think the league is going to really think about this because now the collusion, now some of the rumors that we've heard, you're you're able to maybe not get leverage, but there's information to be taken away from that to where you can make a move with this, right? I think Lamar Jackson is going to get traded on draft night 100% because you have, just, just think about this, you're going to have a Bryce Young, a C.J. Stroud, an Anthony Richardson, a Will Levis, a Stetson Bennett, a Hendon Hooker, a Tanner McKee, and I'm not saying, you know, those last few guys are going to be up there in those rounds or in the first round. But when you look at, again, teams that you might not think Seattle's an idiot quarterback, but everybody knows Geno's a bridge. OK, they're not going to go. I mean, maybe NFC title game with a good call or two or if they build the team right. But I don't believe Geno is going to be that guy to take them to the top. You know, he's a bridge, right? You've got Seattle. You've got Washington, who is down there in the middle of the draft. You've got Atlanta at eight, I believe. This draft is going to fall a certain way. Maybe someone pulls the trigger early on Levis. Maybe someone is trading up for Anthony Richardson. We know Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are going to be one of the first few picks and one of the first quarterbacks off the board. But knowing that a Hendon Hooker could play a role, y'all might call me crazy, knowing that a Stetson Bennett at any point in the draft could play a role, you could see Lamar Jackson get moved because a team could be like, okay, damn, that was our guy. Maybe nothing's happened with Lamar yet. He's Like you said, Justin, he's only two first-round picks, and I know I say only, 
it is a little wary with him not finishing his last couple seasons being injured. Super duper unfortunate. But I could seriously see Lamar Jackson getting traded on draft night out of nowhere after certain quarterbacks fall off the board because there are more teams than what we're actually talking about that are going to make moves that are sitting on stuff that none of us know about yet. I think it's kind of stupid when a team comes out and they're like, oh yeah, we're definitely going there for number one overall. Don't you want some mystery? Like, don't you want to be able to not play all your cards so at some point you can maybe go for a Lamar Jackson type of move or move off the pick because you want to fall earlier in the draft or you want to fall later in the draft, you know? Um, I I could really, really see this happening, though, man, because the league is going to sit on this. I feel like the league's going to sit on it for more time than they should because now everyone's already out, right? The Falcons are out. Um, You know, all the other teams that came out that were in the Lamar sweepstakes, they're out of it, right? But now knowing that the trade request was withheld, people are gonna people are gonna have to do something with this. This is gonna cause some sort of move in the NFL. You think I'm crazy for saying that Lamar is going to get traded on draft night because of how the quarterbacks are lining up in this draft? No, I don't think so because, like as I said, history has shown us right that no matter how deep we think quarterback classes are year after year after year, right? Usually, as I said, history tells us there are only two good quarterbacks at the very most in any NFL draft. And that's yep. the very most. Yep. Like when you look, um, was it the 2018 draft class that we all thought was this huge um, class with Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and we could go on and on. And what, what happened? Only two quarterbacks in that class were good, which are um, the aforementioned Josh Allen and, uh, <laughs> and Lamar Jackson. Those are the <laughs> only two. And we, there were five taken in that first round. We talked about how great this is. Josh Rosen. No one knows where Josh Rosen is right now. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> Baker Mayfield is on his third team in as many years, if so, or third team in like two years. Or sorry, fourth team in like two, three years. Um, so too Sam Darnold. And we thought these were can't miss prospects. And we're talking about one and number three overall. And like now they're like journeymen in the league already. I say that to say I believe in you, Adam. I do think drafting Lamar Jackson is going to get moved because, like, this is what perplexes me about. It's another like piece, bro. It's another piece in the puzzle that is the NFL offseason and draft. I'm going to ask you, like, I'll put it to you. If you were Carolina or you are the Houston Texans, mm-hmm. would you rather CJ oh, God, that's the infamous Young? way to open it up. Would you rather? Yeah. Would you rather <laughs> Bryce Young or CJ Strode? Or Lamar Jackson? Mm. If I'm Carolina or Houston? If I'm Carolina, because you just brought in Adam Thielen, because you just signed, um, who else did they just sign? They just just signed a couple of receivers that were pretty solid. Because you just brought those guys in, um, I mean, I, I would say it's worth it to go after Lamar. Now, I know people are going to jump and, oh, well, you know, Bryce has never been hurt or CJ Stroud is, you know, bigger or, you know, younger, whatever the case is. That's all speculation. And as much as it is speculation with Lamar, Lamar has won an MVP. Lamar has been the best player in the league. Lamar was 6-2 and last year before he got hurt with no receiving options outside of Mark Andrews. Let's remember that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if I, if I was Carolina, I mean, two first. Now, I know now Carolina gave up a lot. I think they gave up two firsts, two seconds, and a receiver. Pretty good receiver that I think Justin Fields is probably going to throw about 1,100, 1,200 yards to. Praying anyways. I want my boy Justin to do well. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, if if I was Carolina, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad if I was a fan. And if I was a Carolina person up there being able to call the shots, I mean, two firsts for Lamar. Yeah. But then again, you have to realize how much you gave up to get to the top of the draft, which is really tough. Unfortunately, that that does change up some things because um, they say this to see draft. We talk about the draft and these draft picks like players about to be drafted are, you know, can't miss prospects and I go back to all these drafts you sit down and look at these quarterbacks let's look at um Trevor Lawrence draft so far it seems Trevor Lawrence is the only good quarterback in this I know Justin Fields has had some pop in recent time but the reality situation the only one of that group that has shown that he really belongs so far is Trevor Lawrence I say all that to see you are going to go and say oh I'll take Bryce Young or CJ Stroud before Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson last season, what you didn't mention, had a lead in every single fourth quarter he played in, every yep. last one. Yep. On top of the record that he had, this is a uh, like this is an MVP, a guy who's already won a playoff game. This is a proven commodity. No, we are saying are uh, about the number one overall pick. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud have not accomplished absolutely anything in the NFL. I'm taking this proven commodity every time over and over again. And I think some general manager is going to wisen up and realize no matter how Will Levis looks or how CJ Stroh looks or how Bryce Young looks, they are not proven commodities. I have to take a chance at Lamar Jackson because two first means mean absolutely nothing. If yep. I tell you right now, right, two first, you know, who was a first-round pick? Sam Darnold was a first-round pick. Um, Baker Mayfield was a number one overall pick. Yep. What if I told you you know, a first and a third. That was first overall pick, uh, the third, uh, sorry, third overall pick. When, if I told you, I will trade you number one and number three overall for Lamar Jackson, or I would trade you Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold for Lamar Jackson, what would you do? Would you not trade Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson? <laughs> now Mayfield? you're playing heavy semantics, but I know what you mean. <laughs> exactly, Soli. Yeah, showing you what it can potentially turn into. Yep. Number one and number a pick three is only overall. worth a pick once the player turns into the player. I'm glad you said that. Yep. We talk about these picks, and these picks are only valuable right up until you have to choose a player. Yep. At the moment I choose a player, well, that pick is no good. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Every pick, like the first overall pick, is all I feel like the only true leverage in the draft, and that kind of shows you, hey, how is going to play out? You know, like we've seen wide receivers come off the board a little early. We've seen running backs come off the board a little early. We've seen back-to-back corners. Like, it's kind of a ripple effect, you know? So when the first overall pick happens, like, maybe you can say second and third pick, oh, yeah, it's going to be a quarterback based off this year. But Arizona at three, what are they doing? You know, who are they going to trade back with? Um, uh, You know, it, it feels like they should trade back anyways. But, yeah, I mean, every pick that happens, it sets up the next pick, and it's like, okay, the idea we had, is it valuable compared to what they just took off the board is this team even in our division? Are we going to have to play them a couple times? You know, do we need to combat something they just picked up? So I feel you. I I, I totally feel you there. It's going to be – this is going to be very interesting to see how things play out with Lamar. If he gets dealt on draft night, I'm flipping out. I'm going crazy if he gets dealt on draft night. And I don't think he's going to be a Raven, so I'm going to stand on my, uh, I guess, second infamous Lamar Jackson uh, take. So the third NFL draft prediction for you, Justin. Go ahead. I'll let you go because I'm still formulating lane. Yeah, I had a rough day today. So no, you're good. You're good. Totally good, man. So my third NFL draft prediction: the Atlanta Falcons are sitting at number eight. 
Again, I think there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks come off the board. I think there's going to be some trades. Who knows if Atlanta could make a trade because they've got a lot to work with in terms of capital. Um, I know salary cap wouldn't really be a thing that comes in here, but knowing that they were second in salary cap maybe did help them out with the draft because they were able to bring in a Mike Hughes, a Jesse Bates. They got Caden Ellis from the Saints. So they, they had some really good defensive pickups this year. I think the Falcons are going to miss out on a quarterback in this draft because I don't think they're going to make any moves. I would like to see them make a move up in the draft. Don't believe they're going to, though. So they'll trade back after they realize where they're sitting at number eight. They won't trade up. So excuse me, they will make a move. They won't trade up, though. They're going to trade back miss out on a quarterback in this draft. And I think that's really not going to sit right with some of the fans, some of the people in the franchise because, and yes, they took Desmond Ritter last year, but that was based on where they were sitting in the NFL draft, knowing that they're as high as they are right now. um, You know, Desmond Ritter coming in at some point or any point to try to win big games for Atlanta or take them to any part of the playoffs. I don't think it's realistic. I don't believe any of the fans are buying in on that. I've talked to some fans and I know personally that are like, yeah, you know, Desmond Ritter looked good at Cincinnati. We kind of liked what he showed us on the tape. We want to see more of it. But just based on in college, knowing what he's going to transfer to into the NFL, I just I don't believe he's got the characteristics to actually do that. So Atlanta's sitting at number eight. It's like they should take a quarterback. They should try to move up. They should try to make something happen. Maybe they fall back and get a Hendon Hooker. Maybe they'll look into a Stetson Bennett later on. Who knows? But I do believe that the Falcons are going to miss out on a quarterback in this draft and they're going to trade back um, and maybe not miss out completely on the position. But being at that eight spot, I don't think it's going to benefit them because of how the draft is going to shake up. And just, you know, uh, I mean, really, yeah, that's it. How how the draft could shake up for Atlanta. Where do you have Will Levis going then? Will Levis uh, in terms of like number quarterback off the board or team? Both. Team, I'm not sure yet. But in terms of quarterback off the board, he's going to get taken higher than he should because of how good his numbers looked and him coming out of the SEC. I'm not a fan of Will Levis, though, because of the footwork. I just think he looks a little lazy on his throws. He kind of puts some air underneath his throws. It's not really a straight dart like even Anthony Richardson is out there throwing. Um, I mean, I'll put him over Anthony Richardson because he's more refined. And because clearly he's played more time and the numbers are there, but Anthony Richardson has more upside. So I'd say he's probably, mm, God, well, I guess he would be third because there's what there's Stroud, there's young. I'm not going to put him over Richardson. I mean, I would say Stetson is the third quarterback, but that's just not realistic. This guy has stepped up. He hasn't showed crazy game breaking talent, but he can read a defense. His footwork is good. He's got a good arm. He's accurate and he just won back-to-back titles, I'd probably put Will Levis as the third quarterback. Um, Some people are saying Texans. Some people are saying Colts. If I did have to take a guess, it probably would be Indianapolis because knowing how Frank Reich really does like his quarterbacks. Um, But really, man, I mean, after Stroud and Young, it's kind of take your pick in a way. You know, all the other guys are unrefined or just not believed in. The reason I ask is because I feel that if Atlanta does not trade out of eight, I have a sneaky feeling that Will Levis just may fall to Atlanta eight if they don't trade out of that spot. But if they if he doesn't, then yeah, you're, they're probably going to trade back. So sticking with the tight end theme that we talked about earlier, I think only one, and I know this tight end group was touted so highly, I think only one goes in the first round, and the first tight end won't come off the board until Cincinnati takes Kincaid. I think as great as we think all these tight ends are, 
I still think, unless you think that these are culpits, and none of them are culpits, unless you think that these guys are these game-breaking tight ends with all this great athleticism, that position is being devalued unless you are, like, I know, like, again, you unless you're elite, that position is also being devalued. I think only one goes in the first round, and I think it will be Kincaid 28 to mm. Cincinnati Bengals. That would be crazy to have Kincaid go to Cincinnati because he could be in the slot again. He could line up on that tight end spot. Um, again, a, a wide receiver truly in a tight end's body, and and it's crazy to see. We got a nice segment coming up after this, but let's hit our break and then get into some over-under win totals <laughs> for the AFC. And we don't have to make that one crazy lengthy, man. I know we got 16 teams to go, but it'll be cool. Y'all make sure to like the stream, please. Episode 14 of the NFL with AJL is live. We're here on a Tuesday night. I've got Justin Marville from the This Just In Sports Show. Make sure to check him out on social at This Just One N, at This Just In Sports Show as well. Make sure to get him on podcast platforms. Also, engage with him on social media. Please subscribe to both of the YouTube channels that we have. Make sure to hit the bell for both of us. I'm putting you on too, Justin. Don't worry, man. Make sure to scan the QR code. On Justin's side of the screen, if you can't, at the NFL with AJL on all social platforms, make sure to follow us, engage, get at us on social media, leave us a review on all podcast platforms. And we are always sponsored by Buy and Sell with AJL for all your worldwide professional real estate needs, buying a home, selling a home, investing in real estate to benefit your retirement. Make sure to get at them on social media. They've got an awesome newsletter that you can subscribe to every month. And they've also put some AI into their business as well to help you with property value use competition how fast things are selling on the market now let's go ahead and talk about some over under win totals for the afc caesar sports book has now made it to where you can lock in bets so give them your thanks as they drop the win totals for the season of course there's 32 teams and we're going to keep it simple this episode and just go with the afc spread out this content and get into the nfc on friday show but we will start with the afc North. The Ravens are at eight and a half wins over under. Oh, under without Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I'm going to say under as well, requesting the trade. I just don't see Lamar being a Raven. Bengals tied with the Chiefs for 11 and a half wins over under. Um, They've had some good years bot to bot, and it's kind of hard to keep that running. 11 and a half is high. I was about to say, and the NFC, sorry, the AFC North is really difficult yeah i am gonna to have to go with the under that you're gonna go the under i'm gonna go the under two but just barely i mean if they win yeah. 11 games it's great i was feeling over at first so i'm gonna stick with the over i think they're gonna win about 12 13 games this year um unfortunately if they win 11 that they're gonna fall under that threshold steelers eight and a half wins Whew, under under mm. Under, sorry. I'm actually going to go over because they shocked me a little bit last year. Kenny Pickett showed some promise. George Pickens is that guy. Najee Harris doing his thing. I'm going to go over, but not by much. Cleveland Browns, eight and a half wins. This is shocking. We're not going to go over because if I have the Steelers going under, the Ravens going under, I'm going to have to go to Browns. I think Deshaun Watson is going to finally adjust to whatever they're doing in Cleveland. It's not a hard offense. Nick Chubb is at the very worst. Like more too. Yeah, they got Elijah Moore. Like, at the very worst, Nick Chubb is the third best running back in the entire NFL. At the very worst. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go over, and I think Cleveland is going to make the playoffs next season. 
I am too. I'm going over. It's an easy over. I, this shows that the league is sleeping on the Cleveland Browns at eight and a half wins. I mean, they forget that Deshaun didn't play 11 games last year. Um, Amari Cooper quietly balled out again. You said it, Nick Chubb. Just imagine if Kareem Hunt came back. Um, they've got a defense, so I'm, I'm definitely easy. This might be one of the easiest bets for over-unders. Cleveland Browns, eight and a half wins, and I believe in Stefanski as well. All right, AFC South, Jags, nine and a half wins. I'm going to hit you over or not because the AFC South is getting worse and worse by the minute. Uh, yeah. and Jacksonville is probably the only good team in the South, so I'm going to hit you over or not. Yeah, I'm going to take the over as well. I could easily see Jacksonville winning 10 to 12 games next year. Probably a sweet spot around 11, but Trevor Lawrence is going to clearly be the best quarterback in that division. It's crazy to think that we'll have Trevor Lawrence, um, maybe C.J. Stroud, and you know Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson, whoever it is. We're going to have literally three quarterbacks in that division that were drafted within the last three seasons and, and two of them coming within you know this coming NFL draft. I'll take the over on the Jags too, though. Titans at seven and a half wins. I'm going to go on the under because as much as, if I know, is there a way we can say it like equally? <laughs> like, no, push, but, like a push? Like, That's all yeah, they always hit you with the half. They make you pick. <laughs> I'm going to go to slight over, like yeah, slightest same, over, same. just because Mike Vrabel is one literally. hell of a coach. Like, <laughs> literally. Like this team plays defense. Mike Vrabel knows how to win football games. He's top three coach in the league for me. So I'm going to say slightly over. Yeah, I'm going to go with slight over as well. Titans at seven and a half just feels kind of low for them. I know Derrick Henry's on the trade block, and it's actually going to be a topic for the next show. Derrick Henry trade destinations. That's a that's crazy to think about within itself. I'll take the over, though, on the Titans seven and a half. Colts, very low, six and a half wins. I'm smashing the under, like smashing, smashing, <laughs> smashing, like, no like, like hitting it like five times, bam, 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 and taking the under, like, who is the quarterback? Yeah. Just leave yeah. it at that. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go under as well. It feels like I could lean over, but it's like, do I even trust them to win seven games? Because it was really hard for a lot of teams last year, including my Saints, to win seven games. I'm gonna go over on the Colts, but if they won six or maybe even five, wouldn't shock me. But I'm gonna go the the under as well. Texans even lower at five and a half wins. Under, like you're gonna put a rookie quarterback <laughs> be with a rookie head coach with absolutely no talent in Houston. Like, yeah, yeah. under. Yeah, I'm going to go the under as well with the Texans. And again, if they win just that five games, our bet is still safe. Now the AFC East, Bills, 10 and a half wins. This is... Uh, See, this one's tricky too. That is Josh a, Allen showed us some weird stuff last year. Well, weird, but kind of not when you look at his scouting. Oh, I am going to hit the over just barely because I'll take them 11 wins. But Aaron Rodgers in that division is going to create some issues. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to go over just my half game. Yeah, 11 games. I'll go over on Buffalo as well. Clearly a powerhouse team. Uh, Josh Allen was a little turnover prone last year, but I'm still waiting for a move like, you know, an, an awesome running back, whether it's in the draft, whether it's in the, you know, free agency. I'd love to see DeAndre Hopkins go to the Bills. I think that would be crazy. Patriots feels kind of low for them. Seven and a half wins for New England. What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to hit the slate over on that. Like, you know, they had some issues, lost some two stupid games that they should not have even lost, yeah. especially the one against, um, I want to say the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. That is, <laughs> I don't see a Bill Belichick coach team oh, doing that yeah. ever again. Yeah. So I'll give, I'll give them a slight over. There's rumors that apparently Bill Belichick will do whatever it takes to get Lamar Jackson. That would be crazy as hell if Lamar ended up in a division with Josh Allen, Tua, 
and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, wow. If they get Lamar Jackson, I mean, smashing the over button. Like, yeah. The oh, easy. Easy. Especially because they just picked up Juju, Gesicki, and I think they just landed Damian Harris, if I'm not mistaken, or... Not Damian Harris, because they had Damian Harris before. Yeah, okay. Okay, so um, Damian Harris. I think Damian Harris might have went to the... Is it the Raiders? Maybe the Texans? I don't know, man. People bouncing all over the yard. But yeah, I'm going to take the slight over for the Patriots. Seven and a half just feels very low for a Bill Belichick-ran team. Uh, shout out to Bill Belichick. He's only 18 wins all time behind Don Shula. Um, so he's clearly you know, showing his longevity. His, his tenure in the NFL is one of the best coaches ever. I'm going to take the over for the Patriots on seven and a half wins. Dolphins at a tricky one. I, I feel like I want to buy all in on Miami because they're just – so exciting to watch at some points last year, but two is interesting. He shrunk against big time defenses. Dolphins at nine and a half wins. Under. I think this season wants, especially if let's forget Lamar. If Aaron Rodgers gets in that division, it's going to be extremely tough. And Miami had some problems with the division already. And I've seen even when Tua was healthy, I've seen some holes. I think I'm going to have to take the under in that. Take the under on the Dolphins nine and a half. Ugh. I'm going to take the over, but just a slight over. I could see 10, maybe 11 wins. Mike McDaniel really impressed me last year. Again, Tua was on pace for a 4,600-yard, 34-touchdown, 10-interception year, which, crazy enough, is what Justin Herbert did in his rookie year <laughs> in the NFL, just a testament to, uh, obviously, Herbie and, and, and Tua as well. Uh, but, yeah, knowing that Tua was on pace for that, injuries came in, you know, uh, concussions were really rough. But a, a, a big shout-out to Mike McDaniel. He really, really shocked me. And knowing that Tyreek and, and Jalen Waddle are there, I'm going to take a slight over for the Dolphins. Jets, nine-and-a-half wins, figuring out everything they're going through in the offseason, over-under. <sighs> I think September and October are going to be kind of sticky for New York once Aaron Rodgers comes in. They're going to have to figure it out, you know? It's late over, but they're not going to be what everyone thinks they are because everyone forgets that Aaron Rodgers – will not likely come to off-season. Like, whatever stuff they do the off-season, whether it's OTEs, whether it's minicamp, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be there because right. that's what he does. Right. And he thinks that because he knows Nathaniel Hackett's offense, he doesn't need to be there. On top of that, Aaron Rodgers is, does not have the patience to work with young receivers. And guess what? New York has nothing but young players that's my on the big point. He gets Garrett pissed Wilson. with a Romeo Dobbs, a Christian Watson, people dropping passes. Like, what's he going to do when the rookies are rookies? Can't help so it. So, you're young playmakers. You have Bryce Hall, or Bryce Hall, sorry. And yep. you also have Garrett Wilson. Yep. I'm going to give them 10 wins, but they're not going to be this 12, 13 win team that everyone thinks that they're going to be once he gets there. Yeah, and definitely not Super Bowl contenders. I, I, I've been saying it. If it was. Like, if the Packers walk into thank, excuse me, Jesus, if the <laughs> Jets walk in to Thanksgiving 500, I'm not shocked. You know, if they're end of November, you know, through the first few months of the year and they're sitting just a game above at or above 500, like, I I'm not going to be shocked. There's Aaron Rodgers is going to feel the kinks with this Jets team. Like, again, I'll say, you know, Brees Hall might drop a pass, might not convert, might fumble. Garrett Wilson might drop a pass. Might convert, might not, you know, might not convert, might fumble. I mean, that's that's the thing that Aaron Rodgers gets mad about. And we've seen him kind of with the Tom Brady effect. You drop a pass, he'll he won't look your way again. He will ghost you for the whole game because he will lose that trust for you. And that's unfortunate because you see a Romeo Dobbs, you see a Christian Watson, you see an Alan Lazard 
finally come forward with Aaron Rodgers, whether it's been a couple games and they're a rookie. So it's like, hey, where's a football or your Alan Lazard over the last few years and being that consistent, you know, wide receiver two or trying to be that wide receiver two kind of three position um, for Green Bay. Jets at nine and a half. I'm going to take a slide over as well. You know, if they win 11, 12 games, I'm not shocked, but it's going to be very um it's going to be worked for very intensely and their playoff depth is really going to be a true judgment of that Aaron Rodgers deal, what they do for the trade package, um, how much money they pay him. It's a, it's a whole fiasco in itself. All right, down to the AFC West. And then we're going to get out of here on the NFL with AJL episode 14 chiefs, 11 and a half wins. Slight over like this team is just, they just rule the AFC West at this point. Yeah. I would not be shocked if it's just 11, but I'm going to go with 12 because it just feels Patrick Mahomes gets that first seed. Patrick Mahomes holds the AFC Championship game. That's what the Chiefs do in his five years, and it's going to be six. Slight over, 12 wins. I'm going to take a slide over as well. Super Bowl champs, we'll see what they do with the pick in the NFL draft. Um, I hated that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was good but didn't necessarily pan out. Um, and the Chiefs need, you know, they need some guys. I'm not going to say that they're empty, but going to get an extra receiver would be nice. And, I mean, look at Pacheco last year, seventh-round pick. And now he's a Super Bowl champion as a rookie or now walking into his second year. I'll take a slide over on the Chiefs as well. Chargers, nine and a half wins. This was a team that finally made the playoffs last year, went 10 and seven, and then blew a 25-point playoff uh, lead to the, the Jacksonville Jaguars after Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions. <laughs> I want to hit the under because I despise Brandon Staley as a head coach. I completely despise. But the AFC West is going to be weaker than we thought that they were like last season. So I'm going to give them like 10 wins. So it's like over. Um, Justin Herbert is a real deal. But right. them not paying or keeping Austin Eckler is going to be a huge deal. Like, Made I don't mistake. think a massive mistake. And I don't think people realize how big of a deal Austin Eckler is, especially as he is as certain as it is to line up in your field all the time. I will slight over because I'm going to give them 10 wins, but they're not going to, yeah, slight over 10 wins. Yeah. And the thing about Austin Eckler too, is the dude's actually won uh, or not won. I think he scored 40 touchdowns over the last two years from the line of scrimmage. That's rushing and receiving. Austin Eckler is a true, true monster. Um, yeah. Chargers nine and a half wins. I'm going to take a slide over as well. I don't see this team being, a team that's just going to grind their way to eight or nine wins. Like, I feel like they finally arrived. There's been a couple seasons with Justin Herbert where they, you know, on paper far and away should have been the better team. They should have had more wins than they did. But now that they cracked into the playoffs, unfortunately blew the playoff lead. But, hey, they, they won double-digit games under Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley has done as best as he could with the Chargers. They're still trying to find a way to stay healthy for an entire season. Having a Bosa, having an Eckler, having an, uh, you know, a Keenan Allen to – truly be around all the time to make their impact Broncos eight and a half wins what you got oh, just because I've given Los Angeles over I'm going to give them the under um, I know, yeah I'm going to give them the under dang I think there's a reason Seattle moved on from Russell Wilson and I think we're now seeing what it is like there's slippage a lot of what Russell Wilson was with the ability to create outside the pocket and his athleticism and that is clearly on a decline um, Sean Payton is a great coach, but like he's not bringing Vic Fangio with him back as a defensive coordinator. I think Vic is over in Miami. I had Vic came, but they might know that defense was going to still be elite. I think the defense, which has been really elite, is going to take a step back. And you're already hearing talk about them wanting to move on from one or two of their playmakers. I'm going to take the under. 
taking the under on the Broncos at eight and a half. I feel like this is another easy bet. I'm really, really believing in Sean Payton. Of course, I'm a first time witness to what he's done. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time I've ever actually went that uh, in depth about my belief for Sean Payton. We know I'm a Saints fan, though, but what Sean Payton did in New Orleans, I think he's going to do a lot of the same thing in Denver. I said it last year when I was still with Petty Sports that Denver was not going to be a good team. They had a brand new coach. They had a brand new quarterback. They had a brand new owner of said team it was just a lot of noise the breakup with russell wilson players were coming out in the middle of the season saying everything sean payton i believe men's all that he's already spent a nice check in free agency getting some key guys in there they came out and said they're not going to trade sutton they're not going to trade judy i feel like this is one of the easier bets again broncos eight and a half wins i'm easily i'm smashing the over just like you were with the colts on the under now we have the raiders at seven and a half wins who have jimmy garoppolo now leading the black hole I am smashing the under, like hard. Like if there's a, like you thought I was smashing the under hard on Indianapolis, I'm smashing the under here. And simply because Josh McDaniels is not that guy. And that locker room is going to implode with him as a, you saw it already. Darren Waller had his uh, wedding, did not invite the head coach. Yep. This guy is not liked within the locker room. And if you don't have a head coach that the players are going to fight for, and know your leader, Derek Carr is gone. And I think people underestimate Derek Carr. Is the, I think people look at Derek Carr as an average quarterback what, for what he does on the field, not right. realizing the leader he is. And that season, not that season, but the season before it. that, the season before that when everything was going wrong off the field for the Las Vegas Raiders, who was the one guy who was able to galvanize that entire locker room when Henry Ruggs had a situation where the car crashed and killed a woman, when he had another um, player get um, booted off the team for all field legal problems. Then you had the head coach at the time in John Gruden with those emails with uh, racist and misogynistic comments, and he got booted off the team. Derek Carr was the only constant. I will give that to you. He was the only one that stayed true and was like, I'm going to do my best for this damn team. He kept that locker room together, and then even last season when he went up on that podium and started crying and saying that there are people who are not putting their all in terms of team, and what did the team do? From three wins, and then they started to turn around to the point where the second last season or the second last week of the season, the Raiders were still in with a show to make the playoffs. Losing Derek Carr and having a joke of a head coach, yeah, smashing the under on the Las Vegas Raiders. Talk about my new quarterback, baby. Let's go. Give him his flowers. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I feel a little better every day about, about Derek Carr. He is a baller, though. He's a gamer, he's a leader. Very grateful for the presence he's going to bring into the middle of a Saints team that, you know, is, of course, as a fan, I think they're closer. But the media doesn't think they're super far off. I think they're farther than the media thinks. Um, But either way, having Derek Carr is going to be great. Yeah, Raiders at seven and a half wins. I'm going to take the under, not only because they lose Derek Carr, but because Jimmy G was never asked to win a major game on his arm or to make a major throw to get them to the next point. Some people might disagree, but Jimmy G has never been asked to be Derek Carr. Jimmy G has always leaned on a top five defense in the years he's been a starter with San Francisco. While Derek Carr never had a top 20 defense in his decade career in the 10-year tenure uh, with the the Raiders. So Jimmy is going to be asked to carry, which he cannot do. I think it's going to be kind of ugly for Jimmy G this year. He's also injury prone. He's going to be in that that division as well. So I'm going to go the under 
on these NFL win totals for the AFC. That is going to conclude the NFL with AJL episode 14. I'm going to hit the music, let it play for a second so it doesn't break up our outro, and then uh, we'll get going, Justin. Great show, great show, like NFL with AJL episode 14. That's a wrap. I was here tonight with Justin Marville from this Justin Sports Show. Tell us what you got going on, man. Tell us how the people can find you. Well, simple. Like, as you always say, if you can't find us, you're not looking hard enough. We are on every Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on YouTube. That's hashtag this Justin. Please put the hashtag in. You do not want Max Kellerman. You want the original hashtag this Justin. We are on, as I said, every Monday night on YouTube. For our short form content, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. And you can find us on Instagram. Hashtag this Justin. We're not hard to find. Always got content. Heck yeah, man. I appreciate you being on. Before we get out of here, y'all, please make sure to like the stream, subscribe on YouTube, hit the bell on YouTube as well. We are at the NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. And like Justin said, if you can't find us, you're not looking hard enough. Please leave a review on podcast platforms as well. Get at us on social. Engage with us. Friday's episode 15 will be live here 7 p.m. or maybe a little after 7 p.m. ish eastern time but we'll be here on a friday hope y'all loved the pack show this is nfl the nfl with ajl signing out